Hey, chaps. Happy Monday. Great day to be alive. Hope you all had a wonderful weekend. It's been a beautiful day out here in South East Indiana. The clouds have been just beautiful. Birds have been singing. Tried to rescue a little bluebird's egg this morning that fell out of a nest. Alas, I probably put the wrong egg in the wrong nest. Right egg in the wrong nest. Went to the chiropractor today for the first time in a long time. Felt great. Now I feel feel like I've been through a pounding. Yeah, so today I had a actually this whole weekend I've been thinking about um, one of the verses that has really changed my life. <clears throat> Matthew 6 verse 6 talking about when you pray uh, go into your room, close the door because God sees you in secret and he will reward you openly. So that kind of really changed my life from, from someone who like King Saul, very much seeking the affirmation of the world, seeking the affirmation of, of other men and uh, seeking validation and uh, the praises of men, if you want to call it that, you know, I think a lot of us, we, that's the model of the world. You know, the model of the world is to seek the, the praises of men. Um, and nothing really changes uh, when we become Christians because it just, the, the men that we seek affirmation from just changes. So it goes from, you know, wanting to be famous, uh, a famous sportsman or a famous, whatever you, you know, whatever we, we had in our minds as, as success, it now becomes more Christianized. Um, and, you know, we want to be a success in the church and we want to be a successful Christian, you know, whatever. We want to be celebrated in our impact on, on the world. And it's it's even a natural, it's even a natural uh, desire in our hearts. You know, Proverbs says, uh, by hum humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Honor is other men respecting you. Other men saying, we honor, we respect uh, who you are and what you do. And so we have this fascinating change, though, in Matthew 6. So I'll just read it to us to, to get this going. And this is Jesus um, chatting, and he says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds, your good works, before men to be seen by them. So it's not don't do good works before men. It's don't do good works before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward <clears throat> from your Father in heaven. And so this starts talking about, uh, about is God involved in our life? Is God a God who does things, or are we completely on our own? Uh, is it some sort of hybrid of the two? Um, you know, and I, I think you can get really superstitious about this, or you can get really logical about this. You know, the, the logical side is we're on our own. If it's going to be, it's up to me. Uh, God is... God created the world and then he said it and forget it and he'll see you at the end. Uh, and then on the other side, you get the super superstitious vindictive, like God is, he's a helicopter God and he's going to lightning strike you. If you say the wrong thing, um, everything's preordained. Uh, there's no escaping um, the path he has set for you. You know, those are the two extremes. And we, we get somewhere, uh, we get somewhere in the middle here. You know, because you look at Jonathan's life, complete, a complete, a complete 
tragedy that he had to live out, right? He couldn't change it. He was, he was preordained uh, to die the son of a cursed king. You know, and it's like, man, that sucks. But how he lived that out was completely up to him. And he chose to live it out in a way that honored God for a reward, right? And so, so it says here, uh, don't do your deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your father in heaven. So some of us are dealt really hard hands. Some of us are dealt really great hands. You know, and, and a lot of us then become victims of either a victim of God has cursed me. I'm cursed. White people have cursed me. Black people have cursed me. The bankers have cursed me. Uh, my parents have cursed me, you know, and you stay in this place of like, if God wants it, he'll, he'll do it. God's in control. Uh, just praying for God to come back, brother. And we sit in this place of complete uh, powerlessness, helplessness, crying for a savior who already saved us uh, to come back and help us. And then on the other side, there, there comes a bit of self-righteousness and, and works where it's like, you know, it doesn't matter uh, what God wants because I'm going to, I am God in essence. Uh, and everything I've made is because of me and everything I've done is my own self-righteousness. You know, it's too, it's too kind of self-righteousness, self-condemnation. Whereas, whereas if you look at, at Proverbs where it says a man plans away in his heart, you know, God gives us desires in our heart. He's made us in his image uh, with, with a general uh, mandate, you know, to, to take dominion, to steward creation, to disciple the nations, uh, to be him, be uh, ambassadors, be sons, be kings on earth. Uh, so that's our general mandate. Uh, make that plan in your heart. Well, what do you, what do you want to do? You know, in essence, we are little gods on earth, right? We are um, the image of God on earth. So we are creative and we have uh, executive power and we have um, the ability to walk out a plan, right? So we need to start walking. We need to start stepping. We need to start doing. But then the second part of that proverb, so a man plans away in his heart. The second part of that proverb is, and the Lord directs his steps. So we start stepping and the Lord directs us. The Lord takes us on a path that he wants us to go on, right? You know, so so that's why I say often with, with Joseph uh, and with David, they're great templates of they weren't a victim of their circumstances. They were prepared by their circumstances. God wants us to be in this time we are, you know, a lot of guys are like, oh man, I was born in the wrong era. Like I should have been a 1500s nobleman chopping away with an ax or I should have been, uh, you know, in World War II or I should have been in, you know, uh, Roman 100 uh, BC. And it's like they have this incredible sense of misplaced uh, era, misplaced age, where it's like I was, it's like, no, we were born for such a time as this. God knew that I would be born in this time, right? And he, he wants me to affect this time. So it's, it's great to have a, it's great to have an appreciation for another time. It's great to have a, a honor for a previous time and to bring whatever we're feeling, the, the passions, the desires, the longings for some past era. It's like, okay, there's obviously a reason I have a desire for that. How do I work that out into my, my plans, my, my heart, for, for, for the now and God directs my steps. And so Matthew six, let's carry on here. So, so God has a reward for us both in this life and in the next, 
you know, so so for Jonathan, you know, I I believe he had, I believe he had a great life. You know, he was a a, a phenomenal warrior. He had success in battle. He he was honored by all his men. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, I literally think Joshua was the closest archetype to Jesus on earth before Jesus got there. You know, just a phenomenal man, integrous, moral, brave, strong, skillful. Um. I'm sure his men loved him. I'm sure the women loved him. You know, I'm sure he had a, a, a great uh, family life. I'm sure he had a great, you know, boundaries. And the dude was just a machine, you know. Uh, and so so he had many uh, micro rewards within his very hard and tough life that he was given to walk out. And I'm sure in heaven, just a, a huge reward, you know, Um and so it can be the same for us. You know, we, 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 we understand the micro little victories that, that, wow, God, like what a blessing. Friendships, health, uh, finances, community, you know, whatever, whatever the little things that, that you know, you, we, we have such a meta success scoreboard for our lives of like, I have to have a Winston Churchill moment to have been a success. I have to have a David and Goliath moment to have known that I've made an impact for God. And it's like, yeah, it's good to want that. You know, it's good to, to, to be ready for that moment. If that moment ever happens in your life. But before that, there were many little faithfulnesses for David, you know, faithful with the sheep, faithful being the little brother who everyone overlooked faithful, just being the errand boy. Take heed that you do not do your your good deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, a good deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. This is virtue signaling, right? For them, trumpets was their social media of the day. Like, hey, everybody, watch me do this virtue. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So, so that's their reward is for all the people to go like, wow, you're a special boy. Like that is a reward, glory from men. <clears throat> but when you do your charitable deed, your good works, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So this is just theologically, this is just, it changed my life. Changed my life. Your father, so so we know we're sons, right? We're sons who he loves. He sees me, sees you in secret. You know, half of my problems in life come from being like, God, do you see me? You know, Joseph in the middle of the prison, David in the middle of the desert, like Saul about to have 30,000 Philistines uh, enter, enter battle. God, do you see me? God, do you see me? You know, do you see what's going on here? You know, when we're, when we're, when we're feeling like powerless or when we're feeling um, in that place of perhaps victimhood even, you know, God, do you see me? And it's like, yeah, he sees you in secret and will himself reward you openly. You know, so this is now talking about promotion from the Lord, protection from the Lord, provision from the Lord of he sees our deeds. He sees our choices, our decisions that we make in secret. So in, in our thought life, uh, in our in our alone time, our home time, we make decisions to honor the Lord. 
you know, it's it's the it's the trolley meme. You know, do you take the trolley back uh, to the to the um, line after you've used it in the park in the parking lot? And it's like that's a it's a metaphor of there's no earthly reward for the guy who walks the trolley back to the thing, the pusher inner thing. <clears throat> in the same way, there's many deeds that we do in an immoral society. There's no reason to be a moral man. There's no earthly reward. In fact, you'll often be uh, punished for doing a good deed, for doing moral things. And that's where I'm, the theology completely changes. Of like, oh my gosh, God sees me in secret. You know, it's not just this pithy, like, God sees everything. God knows when you've been naughty or nice. And it's like, no, no, no. As moral men, as brave men, as strong men, as masterful men, everything we do, we do it in sonship with a father who's intimately involved, intimately involved in our life. And he wants to reward us. He wants to reward us uh, for the hard decisions we make, for the sacrifices we make, for the duty that we walk out, for the honor that we show. He is intimately, intimately uh, a father who wants to reward good behavior, good, good identity even. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need before you ask him. You know, and this goes back to the whole virtue signaling thing of like, why do we post, you know, we have this need to, if I did something good, like I can't just let it go. I can't just be like, wow, this is a moment between me and the father. Like this is a holy moment between me. I did something good with no one else watching. Or I made a, a right decision without nobody else watching. It's like, take a photo of it, put, you know, and send it to everyone so they can celebrate me. And it's like, okay, you just lost your sacrifice of the Lord in order to get a little bit of glory from men. But instead, if like David, you pour that water out before the Lord and it's like, God, thank you. This is just between you and me. This is a pearl between you and me. And it's like this, something happens to your, to your character. Something happens to your your strength of, of will and strength of spirit of like, wow, like I'm, I'm free from the virtue signaling trap. I'm free from uh, being counted as the, one of the squeaky clean religious men. I'm, I'm free from having to prove my relationship with the Lord. You know, and victimhood is the biggest trap for uh, people in ministry, especially, but, but Christians uh, across all domains. You know, we want to, we want to be like, how do I prove that I'm not a proud, arrogant man of the world? Well, I'm going to show everyone how weak I am and how much of a victim I am. And, you know, guys, you won't believe how much of a, of a, a, a terrible laugh. You know, that's like if Jonathan was cruising around and to every, like every time he had an opportunity to speak to people or to, you know, there was a gathering of him was like, Hey guys, I just want to let you know that my father royally screwed up. You know, and, and I'm just having a tough time because my dad's a real bastard. You know, he's a dick. Eh? Yes, he treats my mate David like a, a – yeah, no, it's just not great. Eh? 
you know, and, and he's like, guys, please give me money because, you know, yes, help me out here. Uh, I'm struggling, you know, just not doing really well. Uh, and I'd like to go fight these guys up on the corner there, but I don't know if we'll win, you know. It's just we were a bit outnumbered. Uh, we, we're really demoralized. The, the, the lads uh, back at the battalion are, are in a rough shape. Uh, please send $5 a month uh, just so we can get better uniforms for the lads back at the battalion because as they're, they're looking terrible, you know. Uh, it's just a hard, it's a hard time for us here uh, at the kingdom. You know, it's like you don't, you don't see that. It's a bunch of crap. David is, David's in the desert. Jonathan's out fighting Philistines, outnumbered 30 to 2. DVD, it's like once you fail, you are freed. Sometimes I wonder whether this is why sometimes ministers self-sabotage publicly because at some level then they long to be free but are scared of being honest. That's it. You know, we are trapped by our virtue signals. This is, this is exactly it. If I portray to you guys, and, and this is what I tried to, you know, as a young man, you're like, Okay, in order to get on eldership at a church or, or be considered a great Christian man, I have to, you know, oh, check, I prayed for this guy. I prayed for this guy. I gave money to this guy. Uh, I helped this homeless guy. I got this guy healed. And we're constantly giving testimonies, not to glorify God, but to glorify our image so that men will love us and glory in us. And so now, like, let's say all these men do like, oh, he's the most Christian. He's the, he's the most holy guy among us. Like, boom. So now I'm in eldership or I'm leading a church or I have influence. And now like I become a meme. I become a caricature where I cannot afford to let any man near me, any man near my private life, my secret life, because who I am in secret, I can't be that guy hundred percent of the time. I can't be the virtue signaling, praying for every man, raising every dead man. Uh, I can't be that guy. You know, there's a bit of warts and there's a bit of an, a body odor and there's, I have to go to the toilet and maybe I eat badly and like, I'm really awkward. And I, you know, like who we set great men up with this because we only see their public image. We set them up to always be that man. And, and we then attribute the, the values and virtues that we idealize a leader, we, we put it on that person. And so they, they literally get trapped by their own virtue signaling. And so, you know, at some, at some level, you're right, DVG, this thing of like, wow, I'm finally free because I messed up publicly. I popped the bubble. Everyone left who was offended. And like, now I'm free. Like, wow, I'm just a regular guy. Like, and, and not to, to go into that victimhood because we're not, we're sons and we're kings. But I'm not above all these other sons and kings. I'm not, I'm not this untouchable, you know, this celebrity image that I've portrayed, you know, and, and it's crazy. We desire to be celebrated. We desire to be a celebrity. Um, and it's not inherently bad. It's, it's a desire for honor, right? But we do it not in a way that is seeking our own glory. We, we want to do good deeds for our father and to serve our people. And when we get this thing of like, it doesn't matter if people see me, it doesn't matter if people reward me, right? Because I understand that God rewards me. I understand that God is my promoter. So for instance, doing a good work, even so, so now we can go to 
back to our good old story here of, of Saul and Samuel that we've been hitting on the last couple of times. So Saul, God gives him a word. God gives him a word and says, Saul, you cannot offer the sacrifices. The priest or the prophet must offer the sacrifice. You're going into a battle. Offer the sacrifice before you go into the battle. The, the prophet of the Lord says, I'll be there in seven days. Wait for me. I'll offer the sacrifice. So he's given a word from the Lord, right? Day seven arrives. And it's like, do I believe God? Do I believe God at his word, right? And he doesn't. He, he, he's like, I need to work for, like God's not going to come. God's not going to say, you know, the journalists start with, God's not going to save you. Did God really say he will come on day seven? Did God really say that your kingdom will be safe and he will fight your battles for you? And it's like, yeah, I'm going to offer the, I'm going to, I'm going to offer the sacrifice here, boys, because he was afraid. And so, so when Samuel says to him, you have done foolishly, you have not kept the command of the Lord, your God, which he commanded you for now, the Lord would have established your kingdom forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. The issue here was that Saul was not a man after God's heart. And where was it proven? In the secret place. The secret place with the Lord of like, the, a man after God's heart is someone who is going to stand on the word that God has given him, even to his own harm or humiliation. So Saul faced harm in, in the sense of the Philistines literally beating him and humiliation in the sense of all his other, all the other guys looking at him being like, are you not going to engage battle? Are you not going to engage battle? And it's like, no, we're going to wait for the Lord. It's like, that's humiliating, right? Because what if the Lord doesn't come through? Whereas David, David understands rightly, he's a man after God's heart, which means in secret, he is, he's doing everything for the Lord, not for what other people think. Saul, it says previously of Saul that he was a man who, who was, he was terrified. He had fear of man, right? He would hide away from things and people had to go and find him. He was terrified of people's opinions and losing their approval. David, on the other hand, he's in a cave, right? And he's so focused on my work is for the Lord. My life is for the Lord. It's, it doesn't matter what everyone else thinks, right? He dances naked and his, his wife is like, you humiliated me. And he's like, screw you. I'm never sleeping with you again. We're done. Like I did this for the Lord, not for you. Like it's like, whoa, in the cave, right? He's, he's being chased down and hunted down by Saul. Saul comes in to take a crap. And all of his guys are like, now's the chance, David. Get him. So his own humiliation to his own humiliation. He's like, no guys, I'm not touching the Lord's anointed. I've got a word from God, right? This is just a secret thing. It's just in the cave between you, me, and, and this cave, right? It doesn't have to leave the cave that you killed the Lord's anointed. The body never has to leave. Like they can just, Saul went missing. And he's like, no, like I am a man after God's own heart. In secret, I know he will reward me openly. And so even to my own harm, even to my own humiliation, I will not, I will not go back on the word that God has given me. And so this, this becomes a, a huge issue for us. If we don't believe that God sees us in secret, we have to build our own kingdom. We have to grasp with our own hands. We have to self-promote. We have to self-push. And that's what happens with, with, with these, these guys who build 
their own image. You know, it's good to build courage, strength, mastery, honor. It's good to uphold honor. It's good to build honor and, and be a man worthy of honor. But I don't do it for the honor of other men. I don't do it for the glory of other men to glorify in me and honor me. I'm like, oh, Scott, you're so amazing. Scott, you're such a man of God. Scott, those testimonies you tell just really encourage me. Uh, Scott, you're just so, you know, all this stuff. Like, that's nice. It feels great. Like, we, we love being told we've done a good job. But if, if that's what I'm living for, one guy's going to come along and be like, Scott, you're incompetent. You're a bloody mess. You are a disgrace. You're a bloody shame on you. Like, who do you think you are? And it's like, uh, because I've lived by men's praises, I'm going to die by their criticisms. But if I live for God, it's like, uh, that's what Abraham says to, to the king of Lot, right? He goes, he rescues, sorry, the king of Lot, the king of Sodom. He goes, he rescues Lot and all the loot and gets all the stuff and beats all the kings. And he comes back to the king of Lot and the king of Lot's like, thank you, dude. I'll just take my, my people. You can keep the money. And Abraham's like, no, nope, I'm not taking anything because God, is my provider, right? I don't want any man to say that I have made Abraham rich. It's like, God makes me rich, right? I don't want any man to say that I made Abraham famous. God will honor me. I don't want any man to say that I protected Abraham. God will protect me, right? That, that Abraham was a man after God's heart, right? He knew that it didn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what people think of you, right? Um, Joseph, right? When he's a slave in Pharaoh's house and Pharaoh's wife is like, come sleep with me, big boy. And she grabs his garment and he's like, naught. How can I do this against God? They were in secret. It was only the two of them in the house, right? In secret. No one would have known. He's like, how can I do this against my God? He was living in secret so that God would reward him openly. And then he gets falsely accused, right? She's like, oh, he tried to rape me. Here's his thing. And like he gets chucked in jail. False, falsely accused. And it's like, even there, he doesn't lose his, his heart after God. Because he's like, man, all of this sucks. Like I was supposed to be the favorite son of a wealthy landowner. Now I'm a, a slave. Now I'm a prisoner. Um, and it's like, this sucks. Victimhood, right? God's in control, brother. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to lose my faithfulness. I'm not going to lose my heart after God to do good in secret. So he starts doing good in the prison, right? He takes over the responsibility, the care for all these men in the prison, uh, and he becomes a king. He becomes a son in the prison, turns the prison into his kingdom. And then he gets, he gets lifted by God. He gets elevated by God. If you humble yourself before the Lord, the Lord will lift you up in due season. DVG, it's like he chose to be naked or uncouth in public, but virtuous in private. Be the cussing coarse dude in public, but saint in private. It's like a screening tool to avoid fair weather friends. Jesus did the same thing. You know, Jesus would do crazy things to thin the herd, to test men's hearts. You know, he'd be like, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everyone's like, this is crazy. And he's like, and they all leave him. And he turns to his 12 and he's like, you guys going to leave too? Feel free. Like Cruz, I don't, I don't need you guys. I'm not... I'm not beholden to all of your guys' approval. I'll raise up 12 other disciples. I'll raise up, like, I am not doing this for all of your approval. So good. So, yeah, guys, just really wanted to encourage you 
to, to burn Matthew 6 verse 6. God sees me in secret. It'll change your life. Like when you're going through some crazy, God, you see me. Like, this is great. Because when I know he sees me, now my response to the situation becomes an opportunity for reward. And not from virtue signaling and not from, oh, my, my wife saw me do the right thing or my pastor saw me do the right thing or my friend saw me do the right thing. It's like, no, God saw me do the right thing. Like, how amazing is that? Like, how much of a life change is that when it's like, Guys, God sees you in secret and he rewards you openly. So that, so I can expect a reward. And we can talk to God about that. You know, it's like Abraham expected a reward. God said to him, I am your shield, your very great reward. And so Abraham's like, great, I'm going to make a claim on that. And he did. Like he became the wealthiest man in the region. He became the, the most powerful man in the region. God gave him children. God like multiplied his earthly reward. Same with David. You know, when David sins, this is also a fascinating one. When David sins against Uriah, murders Uriah, bangs Bathsheba, it says when he repented, it's not, I didn't sin against Uriah. I sinned against the Lord. That is offensive. Like it offends us. It's like, of course he sinned against Uriah. He bloody murdered the bugger, you know, and he lied to all the people and he lied and he took what was not his. And it's like, he says, I sinned against God and God only have I sinned against God only have I sinned and it's like because he was a man after God's heart he was living in secret and he messed up in secret and so the reward was open like the dysfunction and the 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 knock-on effects of his his sin was open for the world to see but he 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 lived in secret a man after God's own heart because he's like, oh, I understood what I did. I messed, I, I've sinned against God. And then, so where was I going with that though? Dun, dun, dun. I'll have to excuse my many tangents. So this is what we were talking about with, with um, public approval. We get so afraid of being rejected by men. We get so afraid of being gatekept by men. You know, what if, what if my boss fires me? What if my customers fire me? What if, my church fires me. What if my wife fires me? What if, you know, and it's like rejection. The fear of man is one of our, our biggest uh, inhibitors of kingship, you know. And so as a king in my domain, I don't seek approval of men. I seek to serve men, but I don't seek the approval of men. I seek the approval of God. And we get this thing of, of reward. Oh, that's where I was going with, with David. So, so after all this crap with, with Bathsheba and, and Uriah, David says to God, or, or the prophet Samuel says to God, but he's like, would, if you had asked me, would I not have given you anything? I was like, whoa. So, so we get to this place, right, of how to start dealing with our desires and with our lusts. So David, um, he could have asked God for anything. Right, and he has this desire. He sees Bathsheba, right? He lusts after her, and he's like, "I, I will have her." All right. Instead, his desire should have gone. He's like, "God, you see me in secret. You know I want that. I, I turn this desire over to you. I lay this burden, this freaking burning desire. I lay it at your feet, and I know that you reward me openly. So, God, I'm asking you for a reward. I'm asking you to reward me in secret." 
you know. So just a thought on all of that. Love you, boys. Have a phenomenal Monday evening. And uh, yeah, tomorrow we'll we'll have a. I'm thinking of um, thinking of talking about um, some sexual marketplace dynamics in the workplace. I uh, did a blog post today, um, just on all male spaces uh, and and inviting women into them. So I think we will chat a bit on that tomorrow. It'll be fun. But uh, have a lucky evening, guys, and uh, may the Lord bless you. <laughs>